Hey, Church Online. You know, the past few summers, we've taken our youth group to Camperia in New Hampshire. And there are so many things I love about this camp, but I wanted to talk about something specific. At summer camp, there are a lot of opportunities to be competitive and win. You can win a marksmanship award for uh, being good at with, with the rifle. You can win a golden toilet seat if your cabin has acquired enough points, usually through the games we play throughout the day, uh, for the day. And this might not seem very special, but when you're at camp with 300 other kids, this golden toilet seat gets you in breakfast, lunch, and dinner first. And that's a big deal, especially since sometimes they run out of the good stuff. But the most elite award that you can win is a black band. At Camperia, you get a white band if you can just stand up in the water. You can get a blue band if you can pass the basic swim test, which really isn't that easy, especially when the speedboats start going by and the water gets really choppy on the lake. But you get a black band because you swam a mile across that lake. My friends, this is no easy feat. I have seen kids gargling lake water just trying to pass the blue band. And a mile is a long way. When you get a black band, you truly have bragging rights. We've been going to Berea for the past three summers, and we've taken a lot of kids and some very athletic kids. But there's only been one youth who has ever black banded, and her name is Elizabeth. Yeah, I was in, I was in a kayak that day with, with the kids trying to complete this very difficult task, and I saw many kids struggle, but not Elizabeth. She was solid. She was confident. And it's not because she was experienced. This was her first time at camp, but she still finished no problem. I asked her parents about her swimming experience, and I guess she's always been a fan of water, but a few years ago, she started getting serious. She started training. So when she got to Berea, she had already put in the reps so she wasn't scared of this lake. The training, the reps helped prepare her for victory. And she currently has the highest Berea bragging rights of any river church youth. You know, last week we finished Daniel chapter 6, the beloved Bible story of when Daniel was in the lion's den. And we talked about how Daniel was solid. And he's been that way, not just in the lion's den, but over the past six chapters. His faith in God was supernaturally fortified. He fully trusted God with his life. And being that he's one of my heroes, when I read about him, I have to ask myself, how did he get this way? Because I want to be like that. Well, I believe chapter 7 gives us an answer. So let's jump in and find out. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Last week in chapter 6, the Persian Empire had conquered Babylon and King Belshazzar was dead. And then King Darius had taken over. But apparently in chapter 7, we have jumped backwards in time. And that's because there has been a major shift in the book. The first six chapters are written in what's called a narrative, that is, telling a story. 
It's the story of Daniel, the story of his friends, the story of kings, and the story of Daniel supernaturally interpreting dreams. But now Daniel will share his supernatural dreams. And the style shifts from narrative to what we call apocalyptic language. That may stir up a lot of thoughts in your head, or maybe it means nothing to you. But for today, I think it's helpful that we know this. Number one, apocalyptic writing uses a lot of imagery. It uses pictures to communicate truth. And the pictures have a purpose and a point. However, we also need to be careful because not every detail in the picture is prophetic. And when that's not understood, we start saying and even believing things that are not only wrong, but they can even bring shame on God's name. Think of how many people have tried to prophetically guess the end of the world because of all of these extra details, only to be foolishly wrong. Number two, this kind of biblical language does reveal the future, and a scary one at that. But finally, number three, even though that future is scary, it is dark, there is a victorious God who wins and gives us his people hope. That being said, Daniel has a dream, and he declares, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. In the ancient Near East, the sea was a scary place, and I get that. I don't know about you, but this was a very real fear of mine when I used to go swimming. On the other hand, on my honeymoon, my dad gifted Janelle and I a seven-day cruise around the Hawaiian Islands, and then we got to spend three days on Waikiki, and as expected, we went snorkeling in Hanuma Bay, and it was pretty cool, even though I'm scared of the ocean. But I'm there, I'm swimming, I'm seeing lots of colorful fish, I even see turtles and eels, and the whole time I'm starting to get a little bit more bold, a little bit more comfortable, until I swam too far. I reached the drop-off, and I was swimming, and then all of a sudden, I look down, I just see this black abyss, and I'm like, nope, not today, Satan. I ain't getting eaten by a shark. The sea is scary, and that's how the ancients felt, too. And with the wind blowing in every direction, it's, it's making this scary sea even more chaotic, and the sense is this scene is a place of terror, a place of death. Verse 3, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and a mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this, I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured, and it broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up 
by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. And so out of this sea of death came four terrifying mutant beasts, especially the fourth one, which was distinctively different. You know, I know I'm pretty, we're, we're, we're pretty desensitized uh, today because of the things that we have been visually exposed to. And so we might read or hear things like this and be like, that's kind of boring. But this vision would have been absolutely terrifying for Daniel. But then a scene change. Verse 9, as I looked, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. And the court sat in judgment and the books were opened. Daniel's thoughts were taken from the scene of chaos to the sovereign throne room. And there, one called the Ancient of Days, obviously God, takes his seat. He's in control. He's perfect and powerful. And tens of thousands are before him, ready to serve him. And not one detail is unaccounted for. Everything that is going on is recorded in the heavenly books. But then, another shift. Hey, you know, Daniel is one of the greatest Bible hearers, but he's also a man, just like us. He, he, he dreams just like us. You know how our dreams be jumping all over the place? Like at first, we're dreaming that, hey, I'm, I'm late for work. And so we're trying to get ready and, and get to work. And, 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 we, and then we get in the car, but we forgot to put deodorant on. So we're worried about that. But then we notice that we're driving a banana. And so we're worried about that. And now it's melting like ice cream, only to find ourselves now back in ninth grade. But we forgot to do our homework. We're about to get in trouble. But thankfully, Sergeant Slaughter shows up with both for the entire class. You ever have a dream like that, super, super random? Well, things keep changing here in Daniel's dream as well. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and his body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Again, mysterious details are given in the dream, but one thing is clear. The great words of this horn were so disturbing that it shifted Daniel's focus from the ancient of days back to the chaos. But then we see another scene change. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Once again, the dream moves from chaos to perfect control. Only this time, another heavenly figure enters the throne room, and he is described as a son of man. Most of us know that this is Jesus, the Son of God. And as the, the worldly kingdoms are destroying the earth, the Son of Man receives the only real kingdom, and it's one that will last forever. 
Verse 15, as for me, Daniel, my spirit was uh, within me was anxious and the visions of my head alarmed me. You know, this is different, especially from previous chapters, because when have we ever seen Daniel shaken? Usually he is a rock. He is a model of faithfulness, but now he is paralyzed with anxiety. Verse 16, I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. And so thankfully, there's an angel nearby to help. Some believe this angel is Gabriel, the same angel who spoke to Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist and to Mary about the birth of Jesus. Whoever he is, he's here to give Daniel Clarity, verse 17, these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. And so the, the four beasts are kings, or maybe more specifically, kingdoms. Scholars have differed on opinions about these kingdoms, but most agree that the first one is Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. You know, the lion and eagle, they were symbols of, of, of pride, something Nebuchadnezzar was known for. And the beast was humbled, like Nebuchadnezzar, but also transformed too. However, the remaining beasts are debated. It's possible that they follow Nebuchadnezzar's statue in chapter 2, with the beasts representing Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. And much of the imagery seems to support this, but then there are other parts, especially when it comes to the fourth beast, that makes this interpretation difficult. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a bit. But one additional option is that the dream is not intending to be precise, like telling you this is these are the kingdoms, the exact kingdoms that are going to come, but rather they are making a point. And the point is this. For all of human history, the sinfulness of man in partnership with spiritual darkness will always lead to corrupt, wicked, and destructive kingdoms. Therefore, our hope should never be in human government in this world, but rather remember what the angel said in verse 18, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. We need to remember that God wins, and so do his people. You know, there's a new Shane and Shane, they're, they're worship artists, but a new Shane and Shane song that says, we're fighting a battle that God's already won. Or maybe as the psalmist puts it in Psalm 43, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Let's keep moving through the dream. Verse 19, then I decided to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, which devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about ten and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell. The horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth 
which shall be different from all the kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and she shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall, try, and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. There are many thoughts on this fourth kingdom, and time really doesn't permit us to dive deeply into this, but I'm going to share this. I believe that this fourth kingdom is still future to us, which makes seeing it simply as Rome difficult. But more specifically, this kingdom is going to be one under the rulership of a person that many have called the Antichrist. You know, the Bible prophetically reveals that one day a ruler will come and sweep the world off their feet. Many will think that he is the Christ, meaning the Savior, but it's a lie. Because consider the Greek preposition, anti. It can mean against or uh, opposition, which is fitting when we consider that this future leader is going to be someone possessed by Satan. But I think it's more fitting for us to consider an additional definition of this preposition. Anti doesn't just mean different. It can also mean very similar, but radically different in nature. That's scary. One day, what this means is that one day there will be a world leader who is really, really, really Liked. It seems like he's the savior of the world, just like Jesus. But be warned, he is radically different in nature. And as the dream foretells, he is going to destroy the whole world and seek to destroy God's people. And again, this is a possibility for our future. That's scary. But remember, the angel isn't done yet. Verses 26 and 27. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end, and the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole of heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. As scary as the future is, the angel preaches good news. He says, but remember this, the Lord is in control and he will win and his people will win. And that victory will last forever. Verse 28, here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Daniel ends by saying, this dream jacked me up. You ever had a dream that jacked you up? But let's look at that last thing that Daniel wrote. He said, I kept the matter in my heart. It reminds me of when the Christmas shepherds were visited by angels and told about the birth of Jesus and how they then went and visited Mary, Joseph, and Jesus and shared the gospel with them, the good news with them. And when they did, it says that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I think, like Mary, Daniel let these truths marinate in his heart. It was a lot to take in, and it was scary. But it was purposeful. 
you know, think of chapter 7 this way, because this, this is what Daniel would be meditating on. You know, verses 1 through 6 is basically Daniel's dream is scary. But then the next couple of verses, he sees the Ancient of Days fully in control. But then 11, 11 and 12, Daniel saw this scary beast. But then, again, he saw the Son of Man in heaven. Verses 15 through 17, Daniel's still anxious about the dream. But verse 18 says, the angel told him that God wins. Then verses 19 through 20, Daniel fears this fourth beast. But 21 and 22, the angel reminds him the saints win. And then verses 23 through 25, the Antichrist destroys the world. But verses 26 and 27 has the angel declaring, we still win. Do you see the, repeti the, the repetition, the back and forth? I, I, I think this dream is intentionally laid out this way to cultivate transformation, first and foremost in Daniel. Like Elizabeth, who had to put in the reps to be a black band swimmer, Daniel needed to put in the reps to fortify his faith. And I believe this last verse informs us that of how he did it, that he consistently meditated on these truths, and the result was the faithful, unshakable Daniel that we see in Daniel chapter 6. And so as we close, let's ask, what is this chapter all about? Is it about Daniel's supernatural dream about the future? Yes. Does it accurately tell us and even warn us about the future? Yes. But more importantly, I think this chapter teaches us that no matter how dark our lives are, there is always hope. Why? Because there is a victorious God in heaven who is perfectly in control, who loves us and is going to save us. Do you believe that? However you'd answer that question, I want you to ponder something that Jesus said over the next week. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you would have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Is this not a perfect summarization of Daniel chapter 7? This world is scary and broken. But take hope in Jesus, because at the cross, he won. And if we belong to him, we are his saints, then we win too. And so what trials are you facing right now? Are you having trouble at school? Well, hope in God, and he's going to help you. Are you facing challenges at work? Hope in God, and remember, the saints will reign. And are you in despair because of relationships or maybe even your health, both physically and mentally? Well, then hope in God because he will give you victory. And here's an additional bonus. These circumstances aren't just for your benefit. Yes, God does want to fortify your faith, but he also wants you to help others. Second Corinthians says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and 
God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. What you are going through right now has purpose. So trust in Jesus because victory, breakthrough, and deliverance are coming for you and for your community because God promises that the saints will reign. And if that's difficult for you to believe, at least right now, then train, put in the reps, meditate on these truths over and over and over again. Ponder them in your heart. And watch how God fortifies your faith. Let's pray. Father, this world is scary, but we see that you sit on the throne of heaven. Help us to remember that. Help us to remember that we are fighting a battle that you have already won. That for those who have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, victory is promised. So like Daniel, may we take our eyes off the chaos around us and look to you the Ancient of Days, and to the Son of Man, and live with hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.